Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. I hope that all of you noticed what a wealth and what a richness of feast days the month of October gives to us. I look over the calendar and I see such names as St. Therese of Lisieux, Teresa of Avila, St. Bruno the Carthusian, Margaret Mary Alacoc. And I think all of these, living at some significantly different times, had something in common that I would like to speak to you about today. St. Therese of Lisieux and St. Teresa of Avila obviously were Carmelite sisters. St. Bruno was a member of the Carthusian order, one of the strictest parts of the Benedictine monastic tradition. Margaret Mary Alacoque was a visitation nun. And they are all known for particular reasons. Therese of Lisieux, with her marvelous exemplification and speech about the little way of God becoming love, simply love for the sake of God and Jesus Christ. And for this reason, she was made patroness of the missions. Teresa of Avila, known for extraordinary reform of the uh, Carmelite order, founding many uh, Carmelite convents all over Spain. Bruno, who actually uh, was first ordained a priest and became a rather high official in the government, but then announced one day that he was, to quote him, abandon the fleeting shadows of this world and lay hold to the eternal. And Margaret Mary Ullicock, through whose vision and prayer encouraged the profound devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus. Now, as I said, all of these saints that I've named were dedicated and lived the contemplative existence. And the contemplative existence, even for many Catholics, is somewhat strange to them. And there are many misunderstandings about that life and the necessity of it for the good of the Church. The Second Vatican Council, in its uh, dogmatic constitution on the Church, referred to the life of the religious in general, but particularly to, to the contemplative orders, as being at the heart of the Church. And My dear friends, I've often wondered if that heart would stop beating, would the whole body die? And especially given the great devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, constantly beating for our good, beating at a pulse that desires our life, our love, and that for all eternity. But I will tell you that uh, in my time in the parish or we're talking with young people, even with some older ones, one of the questions that was always asked when I was speaking about the contemplative life 
was, well, what do they do all day? And I had to convince my hearers that that really is the wrong question to ask. What do they do? I could simply answer, they live a life of prayer, of community. Uh, They, to a great extent, provide uh, for themselves. But what do they do? Actually, the question is, what are they? What is their being? I think of what happened in the early stages of the French Revolution, when as part of that revolution there was a great number of attacks made upon the church uh, and upon Catholic life, and particularly on the religious orders. And in the year 1790, the revolutionary government created what was known as the Civil Constitution of the Clergy, in which he reduced, really, the Church to uh, just a form of administrative section in the government. But when they looked at religious orders, they suppressed many and kept a few others. But the criterion by which they judged this was determining which of the orders were useful and which were not useful. The useful orders were those that were involved in active charity work, in education uh, of the young, and those who were not useful were those who lived the cloistered life, the contemplative life. And, in, in fact, this was an indication of a grave misunderstanding of that life and its necessity. But I think it raises a a question that all of us have to answer. And that is, why do we do what we do? What is the meaning of our activity, our day-to-day life? And to answer this question, which I think is fundamental, to our uh, well-being spiritually, we look to the life of the contemplatives. They live in a community that is dedicated to creating an atmosphere in a community life based entirely on the intensive sense of the presence of God. It is, in a sense, a desire to reflect the nature of our eternal life in heaven, momentarily on earth. And they in their lives, trying to create and intensify the sense of the presence of God, know of the power of prayer not only for themselves, but for others, a prayer that is offered for the entire world. As St. Therese of Lisieux offered her prayer simply for the good of the world. In fact, as she lay dying, she said, I pray, God, that I may spend my heaven doing good on earth. And that doing good was encouraging the depth of our spiritual realities, of the sense of the power of the love of Jesus Christ and the presence of our Heavenly Father. I think all of us have occasion to wonder what we are doing in our work. And sometimes this wonder produces something of a crisis. 
in my pastoral life in my various parishes, so often I would talk with a parishioner who from all accounts was very productive, very successful, quite well off, but expressed to me a deep sense of missing something, even sometimes of emptiness, where all the material realities that sustained his life seemed to be mocking him rather than supporting him. Well, I I suppose that the secular world has all sorts of terms for this. The one I used to hear is midlife crisis. But I think it's a crisis that is induced by the Spirit of God to simply allow us to wonder what we are doing and why. And I think we need to call upon the contemplative orders to allow us to understand this moment can be very fruitful and certainly very important because it calls for a clarification of the mind and the purification of our hearts and wills. None of us can live without this, although a great many of us are not called to the contemplative life per se. But all of us are called to a life of prayer and a sense of the presence of God. St. Thomas Aquinas called this cultivating the interior cloister, creating within our lives, even in the busyness of our daily lives, a part in our minds and hearts that is always at peace and always in a sense at prayer. In this way, our activity takes on a true purpose and a very useful purpose. It begins even to touch the lives of those who are around us, who begin to wonder about our serenity, about our sense of composure, because it is based on a profound hope and a sense of the power of the presence of Christ and the power of our prayer. St. Francis de Sales, the patron of the Diocese of Columbus, was insistent that Every single baptized Christian is called to holiness of life, is called to a particular form of spiritual regimen which will assist in this holiness of life. But St. Francis de Sales also insisted that this call to holiness can be heard in whatever vocation we have, whether it be a vocation to marriage, to a particular form of business, to a particular form of activity. If we are, by God's love, chosen to uh, take on a, a clerical life or to join a contemplative order, no matter what it is, it is all a representation of that call to holiness. And we honor St. Francis de Sales because of the wonderful way that he could counsel individuals, no matter what vocation they had in life, to a fruitful spiritualization of that vocation. But at the heart of the endeavor, as the Second Vatican Council said, lies this life of the religious vows, a contemplative life of that particular vocation. 
So we honor St. Therese of Lisieux, Therese uh, of Avila, Bruno, Margaret Mary Alacoc. We honor them for the example they give and the call that they make. And even in our busy life, a life we are not called to abandon, but a life we are called to spiritualize and to make fulfilling of God's purpose. 